Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Property Buyer and Sellers Podcast. My name is Ken Hume, I'm your host, and every week we bring you interesting articles in and around the UK property market. We're at the coalface of the property market, so to speak. I am running a company called James Alexander, which I've owned and run since the 90s, and we sell, let, and manage property in southwest London, Norbury, southwest 16 to be precise, which is situated between Streatham and Croydon. So, we're a typical London suburb, if you will. And where we're at the coalface, we like to bring you news of what's happening right in the coalface of the market so you can see what's happening with the market, what the trends are, what people are doing. We have hundreds of buy to let landlords. We also have hundreds of first-time buyers, first-time sellers, and so on up the chain through to luxury properties were also retained by some people in order to find their ideal home. So welcome to the show. Thanks for coming along and listening. If you haven't been here before, we have lots of back shows. Lovely one last week with the fantastic Hemish Sharma, one of the best conveyancing solicitors in London of Alan Buckley. And do tune into that one if you're interested to know the best things to do when bidding for a property. Some really good tips on that one. So this week, we're going to tell you the happiest places to live in the UK as compiled by a survey. And we'll come on to that in a little while. But first of all, let's go through the major headlines this week, and then we'll get on to what's going on locally. First of all, an article in the mail. This is about house prices expected to climb on cheap cash and the hunt for space. Well, we would echo this. And it says British home prices will see further substantial gains over the next few years, bolstered by low borrowing costs, supply shortages and a desire for more living space. A Reuters poll of market analysts found that when asked what the biggest drivers would be in the next 12 months, Four respondents to the additional question in the poll cited a desire for more living space. Three named supply shortages and five others said easy monetary policy. On the flip side, when asked what posed the biggest downside risk to prices, six said higher interest rates and others mentioned the pandemic and high unemployment or a return to the full time office working week. Well, we would echo that. And we've said for some time. A lot of people have thought that the reason why the market's gone absolutely crazy is the stamp duty deadline, which the there was an up to 15,000 saving, as many of you will know, if you managed to purchase a property prior to the June deadline. And if you did, congratulations, 15K in the pocket there. Well done. Uh, there is another deadline that you may be aware of, and that is a maximum saving of two and a half thousand pounds if you buy before September this year. Um One of the major reasons, well, there are a number of major reasons we think why house prices have been rising. Number one is the pandemic. Lifestyle changes. Whilst there have been a lot of people that have been negatively affected by the pandemic, and it's been absolutely awful, particularly those in the gig economy um, and those that have been working and lost loved ones and had a terrible, hard time of it. But on the flip side of that, many people have been working full time in their jobs, except instead of commuting into the office, they've been sat at home. And this means that they've been actually saving money. And that's showed by the net receipts into banks. And so many people have found themselves awash with more cash than they expected. And on top of this, they've looked at their own mortality, given what's going on around them, and decided to make some serious lifestyle changes. And quite often that has meant migrating out to holiday type destinations, coastal ones specifically and particularly, but also out to the suburbs, greener, cleaner, somewhere away from the city. Now, whilst that's been a great thing for people looking to change their lifestyles, the poor relation of the 
most areas in the UK has been London where price rises have been coming, but certainly are lagging a long way behind some of the meteoric rises that we've seen. Uh, next article comes from the Daily Mail. And this is showing that 60% of the sellers sold their homes above the asking price in the UK and a quarter earned an additional cash, cash booster between 30 and 40,000. Of course, many of these sales have happened outside of London um, and around 74% of younger sellers sold property for more than the asking price compared with 22% of those aged 55 and over. And still on house prices, City AM have charted London's most affordable property locations. And it's funny, when you talk about affordable in London, they don't really go together, do they? And I think we've got a nice balance here in Norbury where, you know, we're an affordable area on the one hand, but we're also relatively safe and we've got decent education options as well. And that's the balance, isn't it? We all want that balance between having a good area, but good value as well, but also commutable and affordable. And that's objective because let's face it, wherever you look and whatever you're paying, house prices are crazy because there's always an undersupply. But new analysis of property prices, and this is by Ellison Co, reveals the most affordable areas for home buyers. Thamesmead was found to be the most affordable area in London. A home in the postcode of SE28 has an average price of 275,000. That's quite cheap. And that's almost 50,000 cheaper than the next most affordable area of Lower Edmonton. Southeast London is home to top five of the 10 most affordable areas in London, all coming in under 381,000. At the other end of the scale, the top 10 most expensive areas of London are located in the west and southwest, with the average property price in these areas coming in at 1.56 million. Really is a tale of two halves, isn't it? London, like most other areas. The Afghan crisis continues, of course, and there's an article in the BBC News about the housing of the refugees and enough housing to accommodate a whole new town must be found for Afghan refugees arriving in Britain. Boris Johnson said yesterday, I don't quite know how they're going to manage this because, you know, we have a lot of these sound bites, don't we? And we've been told for a long time that the target for house building is not being met and hasn't been met for many years. And now here we are with Boris Johnson promising even more housing. I don't know exactly where this housing is coming from, but one thing's for sure, with such demand for housing, the, you know, they say buy land, they're not making anymore, and it is true that the demand for housing in towns and city centres will go back up and start to recover quite rapidly. Uh, what we'll find is that buy-to-let landlords will find increasing returns where the demand's increasing, and especially as many buy-to-let landlords, particularly in our area, we found, chose this timing to sell their portfolios and move on where they can sell their property for a substantial gain and relative to the value, the yields plus the tax disincentives that the government have put in place have actually put many off. That together with increased regulation, many people have chosen to sell. But anyway, so far they found housing for about 2,500 people, which is great. One in three local authorities have volunteered to find homes for Afghan refugees. Writing in the mirror, Andy Burnham, the mayor of Manchester, calls for the government to introduce a system based on two clear principles. Councils required to play their part and all placements supported by equal funding. Barrett has come out with a new plan to make even smaller homes. I think it's awful, really. I mean, you can't really the size of these homes is um, equivalent to a cell, in my view. and It doesn't seem fair to put people in them. And we're talking about average price of 290,000. They're 398 square feet, which is very small. Um, it's the equivalent of 
just parking spaces really about three or four car parking spaces and it just really is a tiny place to live what my advice would be if you're a first time buyer looking for somewhere to go if you can get the deposit together you will find better value bigger homes on the private market the second hand market so to speak and don't be afraid of the second hand market buying a new house is a little like buying a new car yes it comes with warranties yes it comes with greater energy efficiency but you are paying a substantial premium for it being brand new when the second hand market will provide bigger accommodation and more facilities often for the same price the rub is though that you will have to find the deposit and where the new builds win is often through providing deposit schemes which aren't available and can't be legally available on the second hand market something needs to be done about that in my view but that's a, a article for another day um, but certainly look around the secondhand market if you have the capability of doing that. You know, money is cheap right now as well. If you can actually get the deposit together, then you will find that the affordability is there. And if you look at the big numbers, you know, and this is not financial advice, this is just purely educational. But if when you're buying a property, you look at the large number, it's always going to be scary. It's always going to be a intake of deep breath and, wow, can I really afford that big number? And your question should be not whether you can afford the big number, but whether the small number, i.e. the monthly repayments are easily affordable to you. And my advice would be, especially if you're a first time buyer, look to lock in that rate for a number of years, perhaps up to five years where you can get a rate that's affordable to you and you know is guaranteed for five years. And then with inflation and wage rises, you should be in a comfortable position to decide what to do next when you've got a bit of equity five years from now and you're in a different position with the amount of deposit, i.e. equity, that is held in your property as property values rise. An article in the BBC News this week is about town centres beginning to adapt after 83% of UK department stores have been lost. It's incredible, isn't it? We've spoken about this before, but the UK has lost 83% of its main department stores. It's awful. And this is in the five years since the collapse of the BHS chain, according to data compiled by property information group CoStar. More than two thirds of these 388 shops remain unoccupied with 237 big stores yet to be taken over by a new business. However, 52 already have either firm plans in place or early planning approval for a change of use or repurposing. Sounds optimistic, but actually when you look at some of the areas like Croydon, where we had big plans and now we have a bankrupt council and no Westfield going in, it does look increasingly depressing. And I do think that something urgently needs to happen. And my view is that we've got this huge housing crisis on the one hand. On the other hand, we've got all these vacant department stores. I think some joined up thinking is needed here. And especially when we're talking about rehousing all of the people coming in from Afghanistan, let alone our own people that can't find homes. Uh, those shopping centers should be repurposed with more residential property and more community based uh, access points such as, uh, you know, what about some things that people really need, some more sort of swimming baths and the likes, some libraries, what happens to, to those things? You know, I'm sure there must be a way of combining new housing together with some, you know, if we could get local authorities to do what they make private developers do, you know, section uh, 106 works where they insist that they improve the area when providing housing. Well, if the council provided housing in some of these places and then did some works to improve the infrastructure so they were nicer places to live, then they would achieve what we need right now. And that is to get these areas back on their feet because we can't expect the private market to recover these shops back into the private sector. There's too many of them. It's not going to happen. And what we need to do is have a drastic rethink. Be interesting to see what happens. 
but I hope it's more. Construction sector wages have jumped and the advertised salaries has risen by 6.7% over the past five months. Uh, this is interesting, of course, because this will no doubt impact through on costs for other things, particularly extension works, which we found have gone through the roof at the moment. Things like timber have gone up massively in cost if you can get them. Sheds are impossible to buy right now. We've got this huge crisis with lorry drivers. We haven't got enough lorry drivers to distribute things. If you need toys this Christmas for your children, you might want to think about doing that early because I think we're going to have a lot of delivery issues come Christmas time, the way it's looking. We just don't have the drivers anymore. This is an article in The Independent. Many mortgage holders are now overpaying home loans. And this goes back to what we've been saying for some time, where people have been working from home and they've been piling on cash that they would normally have spent uh, going out and on lunches and commuting. They have now overpaid their mortgages in the last six months, and that's over £7 billion has been repaid on mortgages over the last six months. Um, this can make a huge difference, of course, for homeowners who use just half of this extra cash to make mortgage payments. That's £180 or £90 a month towards a 200000 mortgage. The Halifax calculates it would shave three years off the length of the loan. I'll go over those numbers again. So figures from the ONS confirm that consumers have been saving £180 per person per month. For homeowners who use just half of this extra cash, i.e. £90 a month, to make mortgage overpayments towards a £200,000 mortgage, Halifax calculates it would shave three years off the length of the loan. That's a long time, isn't it? So the cheap, cheapest council tax boroughs have been identified, and this is always extraordinary to me, really. The most wealthy boroughs in the country have the cheapest council tax. There's something very unbalanced about this, isn't there? Research by RentRound has revealed that Westminster, London, has the lowest council tax rates in the country, while the average property price in the borough stands at over one million. The average council tax bill is £828. That is wrong, isn't it, in my view? Um, other cheap council tax areas include Wandsworth, again, a really expensive area, and the average bill there is £845. Windsor and Maidenhead at £1,149. And I can't even say this one. Nahi Elanan Siar in the Outer Hebrides at 11.93. At the other end of the scales, Wales has been a particularly expensive area with Merthyr Tidfield near Port Talbot, Bridgend and Blenau Gwent, the most expensive. Blenau Gwent topped the table with an average council tax bill of £2,078. How can that be right for an area, a poor area? And they were joined by areas such as Kingston-upon-Thames, Harrow, Richmond and Gateshead in Nottingham. Other news. What else have we got for you today? A Dorset beach hut is on the market for £355,000. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Of course, you know, with that area is particularly sought after, but even so, a wooden beach hut has gone on sale in Mudford, Dorset for £355,000. The current owner remarked, there have only been about 10 huts added to the spit in 60 years, so it is a question of supply and demand, compared to Bournemouth, where there are 1,500 huts, and Brighton, where there are 2,000. He went on, obviously, the uncertainty over foreign travel will also help drive up prices, with people growing fed up of government regulations. Staycation costs have soared as well, up 41%. Apparently, I won't go into that. Ten London property postcodes have joined the £1 million club. And there's an article from the London Evening Standard, and it says that 10 London postcodes have now joined the £1 million club since March 2020. 
Hackney, Hendon, Hornsey and Vauxhall are among the areas in the capital which now qualify. To make it into the new one million market, at least 20% of sales in an area must have been above that level in two or three month periods since the second quarter of 2020. Outside the capital, new areas to make it onto the list include North and West Oxford, Tunbridge Wells and Reading. Knight Frank said the figures underline the growing demand for more space and green scenery. The likes of Hackney Estate, Ealing West 5 and Vauxhall SW8 have benefited from price growth, which has rippled outwards from central London, Knight Frank said. Well, you know, we always used to say that we had these ripples that come out from London and then London gets the biggest price increases and then the ripples go out to the rest of the country. You could even argue the opposite now, in my view, in the coastal areas have had such success recently that you drop a stone in the ocean now and the ripples come inwards uh, towards London. That's certainly the way round it's been this time. Uh, there's an article in the mail saying that homeowners are wealthier than renters. Well, who knew? You know, that really is a Sherlock one, isn't it? Rental demand. This is one in the Express is expected to rise in cities. We're already experiencing this here at the Coalface, by the way. Lots of demand, no supply. Um, normally, we'd find people moving on, moving out. And what we're finding at the moment is people are staying put in their rental properties and there's just not enough supply. And as new properties come on the market, we have hundreds of people applying. The average rent in the new UK is now at a record high of £1,029 per calendar month. This is up 6.6% from the same time last year and 2.2% from the previous month's figures. This is from the Home Let Rental Index. Rent in London has risen to an average of £1,645 per calendar month, while the southwest of England saw the highest annual price rise with current average price of £989. A 12.9% increase for the area compared with this time last year. CEO Andy Halstead said, with restrictions easing, optimism is returning. The demand will steadily grow for the rest of the year. No doubt. So apart from that, we have a few other things going on. One thing I wanted to tell you about was about the happiest places in the UK. Where do you think they are? Have a guess. Well, this is an article from it's actually from the Express, but it's right move. They've come up with the article and it says that Happy at Home Index names the happiest locations in Britain. And the Happy Home Index has named St. Ives in Cornwall the happiest place to live in the UK. With Skipton in North Yorkshire in second place and Leamington Spa in Warwickshire in third, Warwickshire in third. The Southwest was a big winner on the index with St. Ives Four other places in the top 20 happiest to live were located in the region. Falmouth, Weymouth, Plymouth and Poole all made the list. In general, coastal areas, residents were happiest. Rural and coastal residents were found to be happier than Britons who lived in cities and urban areas. That's it for this week. Hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast. Just in terms of some local anecdotal news, we're finding the market particularly quiet in August for new homes coming onto the market. But that shouldn't be a surprise. If you're worried about the supply of homes this year, then there are two driving factors. Number one, we have to accept that those people who are hoping to move this year have done so earlier in the year to take advantage of the stamp duty deadline. So the supply we would normally see coming through in September will be subdued for that reason. There is also the situation where 
in July and August, we always find it quietens down because families go on holiday in our area specifically and particularly. We have lots of family homes. And while the children are off school, people tend to enjoy the children, chill out, relax, have their holidays, think about moving when the children are back at school. I call it the mum's market in September when the children are back at school and mum sits down, has some quiet time because we tend to find it is mum that drives the search. She's the one that sends the emails, calls us, inquires about housing calls us around for evaluation. We have a chat about what the potential is. And quite often now, the main problem is finding properties to buy. Our advice is, as always, especially in a tricky market like today, you have to find a buyer first if you need to sell in order to buy. So make sure you get that agent round, get the valuation done, get your property on the market, get under offer, be honest with your buyers and tell them cards on the table you do then have to find somewhere so that you're not under undue pressure and then start your hunt in earnest. If you can't find what you want, where you want, you only ever have two choices for most of us anyway, and that is more money, I up your asking price and that will start to suck in other properties or lower your sights. Um, the other option, of course, is to broaden your price range and up your money. And of course, for most of us, that's not an option. But you may find with consultation with your financial advisor, because money is so cheap, for instance, that you can afford to borrow more. But the actual deadline, the bottom line cost of that money is the same as it was for a higher amount because the rate is lower. Something to think about might help you along the way. But it's going to be a tricky September if you're looking for a home because there will doubtless be a shortage of supply. And we will keep you advised as to how that is going. On the rental side, demand's absolutely massive at the moment and supply is subdued. So no doubt we're looking at further rent increases over the course of the next six months as well. So I hope you're keeping well. Thanks so much for listening this week. We'll be back same time next week for another edition. Until then, stay safe and well. We'll speak to you soon. Take care.